You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I'm your host, Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Kelly McCart, who's the Vice President of Human Resources at J.R. Hobbs Company in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much. It's so great to have you on the show today, and I know you have this wealth of experience when it comes to small business, HR, that I'm really excited to tap into today. Really excited about our topic, but you know, before we jump into the topic, we always like to introduce our guests and tell a little bit more about them. So tell us more about that career background and what your company, J.R. Hobbs, does. Sure. Um, so a little bit about my career. Um, been in HR for about the last 25 years in all size organizations, uh, um, small and startups and publicly traded companies and divisions and national global regional, all kinds of things. And um, um, it's been a great, a great journey. And I tend to join organizations uh, that allow me the chance to be the maverick mm-hmm. and uh, to come in where they're looking to do a turnaround or shake things up, look at things differently. So that's been a wonderful experience. The, this time at J.R. Hobbs, I joined the organization a year ago and uh, have uh, had a great opportunity to, to make contributions there. I'm sure we'll mention just a few of those today. Uh, J.R. Hobbs is in the construction industry and uh, we are in the Southeast and uh, also in Colorado in about 10 states, but we're, we're right about 350 folks in a mostly distributed workforce. Love it. Well, I'm so glad that we picked the right name for our podcast of HR Mavericks so we could get you on the show today, a real true HR Maverick to share your knowledge with us. That's awesome. Great. Well, first question I have for you just before we jump in here is that I really like to ask a lot of our guests is, why did you choose to pursue a career in HR? What what kind of pulled you into HR? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I, I came in through the staffing industry and found my love and uh, applying my psychology degree. So it wasn't actually specifically looking at HR, but kind of found my way into it and was able to use both kind of that. There's a little bit of marketing, a little bit of cheerleading, um, some some problem solving analysis is kind of a really mm-hmm. blended role. And um, uh, that got that got me hooked and uh, kind of built my career forward from that time uh, 25 years ago. And I uh, never look back. I love what I do. And I feel very blessed to be somebody who's in, in that situation uh, where you feel yeah. like you love what you do every day. Yeah, not everyone's in that situation for sure. So that is a big blessing. So second part of that question then is, you know, you kind of talked about what got you in, but what's kept you in HR for the last 25 years? Mm-hmm. I think it's the opportunity to contribute and see how what I can bring makes um, a noticeable improvement in folks' experience that helps them want to get up out of bed and come to work every day. Yeah. And then from a business perspective, help move the needle and watch watch the, watch us go from, you know, maybe sometimes a red metric to, to green on our people topics. And that is very energizing. I love that. I think that those two things are so important. And I've heard it from previous guests and other HR leaders too. I'm so glad you touched on those because it's really about the end of the day, it's about people and making sure that they're happy and successful and productive. 
and about the business. And I think that a lot of times more junior HR people or people who are kind of the accidental HR person that are just kind of asked to take on those tasks in small businesses, they might not understand or maybe even the other leaders or employees at the company might not understand that real impact that people can have on moving the top and bottom line for your business, right? And so I love that you touched on both of those things and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later into our topics. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, that's great. Um, and if it's if it's okay to insert here, I'll share something that was an inspiration for me and Please, I'll yeah. pass on to others. Um, um, when I was sitting with a vice president in a startup, he slid over a magazine across the table to me and the cover said, why we hate HR. And I was mortified. It was about 16 years ago. And it was a gut punch when I read it. And it went through the the corporation's perspective of HR. It is so illuminating Um, And I think it was written 16 years ago. It could be written 16 days ago because some of those truths and what the organization is looking for and how it views HR will really challenge uh, our thinking and became really an inspiration to me what the organization organizations really are looking for. You can Google it under that title. I encourage it's a great read. That's so fascinating. So give us the quick summary what what is it then that you know that you found in that article that um why organizations quote unquote hate hr yeah what they hate is what they call you know getting boiled down to administrivia was the term which i love um where uh it's it's homogenizing everything taking the fun out over programming and not really bringing value, change, problem solving, partnership. So kind of getting caught in a little bit of a narrow view mm-hmm. that doesn't, isn't really what the organization values. They want to value getting people in the building, great talent, and hanging on to great talent. At the end of the day, that's really what they want from HR. And there's so many things that attach to that, that maybe not always enough time gets gets put put into. Um, great read, though. Great perspective. It. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think that that's especially a challenge for small and growing businesses where you might have a solo HR person or a small team that wears all of those hats for every HR function under the sun, right? And it's difficult at times, I think, to limit the administrative stuff so that you can focus on the strategic HR stuff and really provide value for the business, right? That's right. Now I'll make mention here because we have a lot of smaller businesses who are listening. And so if you've got a chance to dedicate an HR person, make sure you've got a system that will do some of the administrative for you, that you're not caught in all kinds of manual uh, labor of it all that is taking away from the real value you can bring. Yeah, I think that's a great, great plug. And I think it's a key to being really successful as a small business HR person. So, well, I'm excited to jump into our topic today. I know you are passionate about this topic. And as you and I discussed, what do we talk about today on this show? You mentioned this idea of, you know, talking more about what drives employee engagement and retention. Those are topics that are, you know, big In every company, we always talk about employee engagement and retention. So I guess the first question to start that off is, why do you think there is so much talk about quote unquote engagement, right? And what does it really look like in the workplace? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let me start with uh, reverse engineer this for a minute. Um, what it's not and what it's okay. sometimes mis- misunderstood as. So so what engagement is not it's not an activity. It's not a party and it's not a program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is getting to the heart of people of what actually drives people, what people care about. What does it look like in the workplace? Um, We've seen engaged people. So if you think about it, these are the folks, they're the first to arrive. They rarely call in sick if, you know, if at all possible. They're they're late. They're conscientious. They don't hand things off that they haven't double or, or triple checked. They are the folks who come in to their manager and say, you know that meeting we had yesterday? Well, I've been thinking about this all night. I got some ideas that they're still, they are energized, they are committed, and they are invested um, in what's going on. And um, uh, that is really what we want and what we mean from engagement. Um, And so uh, I don't know if I've answered your question. Yep. I love that. Energized, committed, and what was the last one you said? Invested. Invested. I love those three terms, energized, committed, invested. And because I think that so often when it comes to engagement, like you said at the beginning of what it's not, is it's not an activity. It's not you know a party, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times there's these vanity metrics that are could be a pseudo engagement that really don't get to the heart of it. But when I love how you describe that because I feel like it does get to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. It's those people who are invested. They're engaged in helping the cause of the company. So I think that's, that's key. You hit the nail on the head there. Very good. Yeah. I I did a lot of research on this and let me uh, speak just a little bit to why this um, and and where it came from. So uh, back in 2008, when the stock market was crashing and jobs were, you know, everyone was concerned about their job, there were lots of layoffs, things going on. And the folks who still were there were worried about their security and those type of things. Um, I worked for an organization that was um, very, uh, very challenging to work for. Very, um, um, it, w- it was a difficult place. It was a, it was a kind of a heavy, heavy management style. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we had a great business, but we had people also leaving the business. And so I went on search to say, how can I make the business case <laughs> for um, how we treat people? And that started me on the research path on this engagement. I spent about a year reading all kinds of articles and research. Now, of course, there's much more on it, which is great. And we, you hear more about it. But um, but a lot of this information came from that research even today. And I have been applying it ever since. And I have found it to very much ring true. I hope it's helpful to, to our audience today. Yeah, that is so fascinating. I mean, so excited to hear more about that. So um, feel free to share any of that as we go throughout this where it makes sense. But next question I have for you that's kind of on this topic is uh, of engagement. So someone that's really, you know, invested, it seems like, you know, you could take a view that that's just something that an employee either has or they don't kind of like their, their drive, right? It's, it's just like what someone's born with or not. Is that true or is there something that we can do as leaders, HR leaders and business leaders to help someone become more engaged? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Uh, And so if we think about it, 
we know drive is really related to your wiring. You know, you have different levels of drive. It's not equal across the board. Whereas engagement, any person at any time can be engaged and that same person can be disengaged. It may play out as drive. It may look like that. You know, perhaps the drive we really relate to, that's a personality quality and it's a wiring and we measure it and personality tests on it and those kind of things. So engagement is a little different. Um, what we mean is, is really, and I'll go back to an earlier statement, it's really about that they care and they're invested and how it plays out on some of those different things that we talked about. So engagement being just, just a little bit different. They're going to give discretionary time. Not just the time I punch in, I'm eight, I'm five, I'm out, you know, (laughs) my mind is shut off and I'll get through the day. Uh, So uh, for reasons we talked about, um, those are those are sort of the distinctions I would make between drive and engagement. Yeah, I think that's 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 really important to realize um, and recognize as an HR leader and a business leader that anyone can be engaged or not engaged at any any different time. And it might look differently for different people, but some of those keys that you just mentioned, uh, they don't just shut off and punch in and punch out, right? They're still thinking about how could they improve and how could we do better? So I think the big question then is for HR leaders and for business leaders, if that's something that we can help all people achieve is being engaged, how do we do that? What What's the key to making sure that as we hire new employees and as we have employees that have worked for us for a long time, that they continue to stay engaged and in that same mindset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we'll maybe use the term motivated as a person yeah. motivated or not. Right. So he, the reference that I would share is really an interesting one. And I encourage our listeners to go look it up and find ways to apply it, but we'll unpack it a little bit. And that is taking the idea of Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. and applying it to that same thing in the workplace. I love it. And from a foundational standpoint, right? Everybody has the basic needs. That is the foundation. What does that look like in the workplace? Is my pay satisfactory that I can meet my bills? I need to survive. Um, do I have the tools to do my job effectively? Um, so it's a little bit of that survival basic needs on the foundation. Then you have your safety and security, things like benefits, things like literal safety, job security, those things. We can, you can already see where the employer clearly uh has, has a role in here in HR being a voice for these things where we think we're missing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you kind of work your way through that Maslow's, you have the next level up is love and belonging. And in the workplace, it looks like I'm part of something bigger. I have a great relationship with my manager. I have friends in the workplace. This is now feeding me and my experience in a lot more ways than just the tasks that I'm assigned. What's very interesting is the three things we just talked about, those building blocks are truly just the foundation. Those are price of admission. So we're not even at engagement yet. We're just at your basic, I can stay here because I can afford to, my benefits are covered, but we're not even engaged yet, which should be a signal to everybody listening who wants to, or who gets tempted to um, believe that pay solves engagement. Mm -hmm. So what you find is very interesting. It's the lack 
of basic foundations that creates disengagement. Mm -hmm. Solving those things will create satisfaction and allow you to move forward up that chain, but you don't create engagement. You just eliminate disengagement with pay. So I just make that note because that is a common topic uh, that companies uh, look at how to solve. So what what are those last two levels up, up that up that foundation there. So in Maslow's, it's, it's achievement and respect. And in the employment place, this is where you get to professional growth and career path and recognition and all of those great things. That's where really the engine starts turning on engagement. Now I'm, now I'm starting to really feel like my, my wings are you know, spreading in those type of things. Um, it's, it's fulfilled. Now we're getting to fulfillment mm-hmm. versus basic needs. So you have things like that. And then of course, at the top, you know, you get things like autonomy and freedom, uh, self-actualization on the Maslow side. So uh, that framework to me and connecting each of those to things HR controls, there's, there's almost nothing on that list that we don't influence um, or champion in different ways. So I will pause there. Uh, I love, yeah, no, I love, love, love that framework and that analogy. And in fact, when I first joined our company, Eddie and was kind of jumping into getting familiar with just the HR space, because I come from a marketing background, had worked at a, you know, a separate company. Um, that was one of the first things that I found actually that just really resonated with me too. I'd found a really good article out there that someone had written applying Maslow's hierarchy of needs to business. And I think that it just clicked that so often that's where companies get caught up is they think that engagement is, well, let's just throw a party and we'll get people more engaged or let's just pay them more. Right. But if you don't start at the bottom of that pyramid, if they don't feel safe physically or psychologically, if they don't have enough, they're not making enough to take care of the basic needs of their family, right? Like all of those basic things, then there's no way that they're going to reach that top rung, especially if it's just with a party or an extra bonus or whatever it is. So I think we often forget that we try and jump to that top Mm -hmm. level of the pyramid without focusing adequately on fixing the bottom portions of of the pyramid. So I love that example. That's good. That's good stuff. And so, so at, uh, you know, kind of on that, so how do you approach and, and exactly what you're describing, Garrett, you can't leapfrog over the bottom things and, and move past those until you address them. You need to address those uh, uh, to get the value out of the top things. Um, I take a parallel path. I go after the biggest opportunities that I see that are on the bottom, but also pepper in some of the things that we can do more than one thing at once. Mm-hmm. So if it's a recognition program is not in, there's nothing in place, uh, those type of things, while I'm still looking at pay and making sure we're meeting a market, for example, we can do both of those things at the same time, but you'll never get the full value of the top part of that until you've solved the disengagers, as I call it, on the bottom half. Yeah, so fascinating. I think that that's such a great point. So the question that is in the back of my mind is for those small business HR people who are the solo HR person, the true you know, HR maverick in their organization who's trying to make a change, trying to really run this entire department, how, what are the keys for that person that wears all of those HR hats? Like, where do they start? Because a lot of small businesses, right? It's 
that solo person and it's everything related to HR and they're still trying to get all of that stuff that's in that pyramid set up and, and running. So what are your recommendations? I know you've worked in small and large businesses. So what have you seen? What would you say to those small business HR people, those solo HR people of where to start? So I think two things come to mind. One is um, let's remember what the organization uh, is looking for from HR, right? So they want your basic block and tackle, make sure folks are paid, make sure folks have good benefits. There's, there's that is sort of first, let's get first things first. But right after that, this is where HR can come into play is having ways to listen, whether it's surveys, make sure if there are problems or uh, areas that we're, we're seeing some reverberation, or we're doing exit interviews, we're talking to people, understanding their experience. Um, what problems do we need to solve in that hierarchy? Where's our opportunity? And then go for the ones first at the found, first fix your disengagers mm-hmm. and take those out of the mix while you're peppering in the others. For example, um, new hires, hiring talent and engaging talent. So engagement starts during the interview process. They're deciding what kind of company this is and that will carry into as they start with us. So make sure in your, in your role, it is a great experience. It's a high touch experience. It's a welcoming experience that will lay the groundwork early that can be built on. So that's one I would focus on. Um, and then I think like we talked about, it's your basic block and tackle. Make sure your foundational pieces are, are take a look at those. If there's any opportunities, propose a solution Love it. and uh, get some support. I really like thinking about that Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a framework for helping you prioritize the different HR projects that you have. Cause there's going to be a never ending list, right? And sometimes it's just about where do you start? And I love how you said, you know, think about what's on the, the, the base level of that pyramid, the projects that you need to do to improve that as well as the next levels up. And it's okay to work on a couple of those things at the same time, but you give more priority probably to those that are at the bottom of the pyramid than the top of the pyramid. So you can have that solid foundation that you build on. Is that right? That is right. That is right. agree hundred percent. Well, I have another question for you then that's related to this. you know, at the beginning, we talked about employee engagement and also retention. Retention is something that every business talks about. And I'm curious from your perspective, how does this concept of employee engagement that we've discussed relate to retention? Because I know so many companies are concerned right now with, you know, retaining talent. It's, it's difficult. There's a lot of Uh, there's a lot of movement as people consider, is this what I want to do in my career or move to other companies? So when it comes to retaining, how does that relate to employee engagement? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, they're, they're directly related, of course. Uh, So you have, as you, as you go up the or down the mm-hmm. disengagement list, does that become that list starts to grow your retention risk goes up or worse, those disengaged folks stay and create more disengagement for others and pass that along. So, so, um, so from a retention perspective, um, folks who love their job, love their boss, feel like they're getting value and growth. They're not, they're, they're not interested in taking a risk somewhere else. So the more we can, we can connect with them at those upper levels of really getting that meaning and personal value and autonomy out. That's good for folks who are working remotely. Um, maybe by virtue of 
this whole COVID situation. Maybe that's the design of their work. Um, it's interesting because that hits that autonomy, which is high in the chart, and that freedom component, which is a it's a high engager. So that can be an advantage. Yeah. But allowing people to get disconnected can become a disadvantage. So being mindful of keeping your network of folks, um, whether you're doing a virtual mocktail hour uh, with a team or other other fun things uh, along the way or treasure hunts or other fun things you can do online and on screen, um, you'll want to make sure you're peppering those in. I love it. Those are some great, awesome tips. And I, I get, as you explain that, how it is, you know, engagement is directly related to retention. And it's important to think about those things as related and together. So a lot of times when it comes to solving retention issues, maybe you go back to that hierarchy and think about, well, how engaged are employees? How invested are they in what we're doing? And what parts of that pyramid do I need to fix in order to help, you know, fix the retention issues too? Is that right? hundred percent. Yep, 100%. I love it. This has just been such an awesome conversation, Kelly. It's getting me jazzed and excited because it's just <laughs> so many good ideas coming here. Are there any other tips or insights that you would share on this topic for our listeners? I would just say one topic I, I didn't mention, so I would encourage our listeners to really consider is the high value and connection of communication at every level, both listening <laughs> and communicating out that is in the background of just about everything on that list and will serve you very well. I think that that is such an important, important key piece of this. I think, you know, you started uh, by saying one of the things that got you into HR is you liked that it was about people, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of operations and impact on the business. And I think it's important to remember that for all HR people, like, I come from a marketing background and that's what I think about a lot is like the marketing and the communications internal and external. But I think that that is such a key piece of being a healthy and organization and a really good HR leader is making sure that you can help lead that internal communication to employees, just like, you know, someone on your marketing team might help lead that to customers in the same way. There's so many similarities and things that can be learned back and forth between that marketing and communications role and that HR role, it's just a, a different customer or clients, an internal client versus an external client, right? It sure is. It sure is. Awesome. Well, this has been so great, Kelly. I really appreciate you taking the time to share some of these insights with us. The last question that I like to ask all of our guests, it's not necessarily related to our topic, but um, at our company, Eddie, one of the core beliefs that we have is that one of the ways that you can make such a great impact on the world or one of the most charitable things you can do is by building a healthy team and a healthy business. Because by doing that, you can impact the lives of employees and customers, their families, communities, right? So with that context, in your opinion, what is the quote unquote right way to build a healthy business? Boy, at the... uh at the uh, risk of being redundant, I do feel like there, there is a lot around the communication piece <clears throat> because the cross-functional aspects of how everything connects together, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and that's through communication, listening, what the needs are, solving the right problems that matter. Um, I feel like uh, that's that's got to be at least on the list. Yeah, I agree. I think that's such an important 
piece of being successful and creating a healthy organization, doing it the right way. So Kelly, thanks again for taking the time to join our episode today. If there are listeners that have follow-up questions for you on this topic, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, um, I'd say through LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn profile is my name and uh, um, it's yeah, pretty straightforward from there. Awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you again so much for taking the time and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you for having me. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddie is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddie, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.